0: This is the Shift the Story podcast, and I'm Beck Lewis. And my guest today is Gary. And Gary, I am just as we were talking about before. I'm just so excited about getting to know you. I know your full name is Gary Hansen, but Gary Neil Hansen, but Gary, right? Right. <laughs> um, so we met at the uh, Twenty Books to Fifty K Vegas, and. I was feeling incredibly overwhelmed, standing in line waiting to go in, thinking I have made the biggest mistake because I'm not really good with all those people. And then I heard you talking behind me about Pittsburgh, and turned around and met you, and I felt so much better. Yeah. After that, it was like, oh, it's going to be okay. I can. Yeah.
1: Well, and then I think we were on the – it turned out we were on the same flight or some crazy thing. and we, we were. Ended up riding to lunch in the same car. I know. quite random. So it's a good thing to get in a random car with you.
0: It See, it is. I shall have to make that one of my <laughs> points, get in a random <laughs> car with me. Well, I really believe that uh, – people that know me well know I really, really believe that people come into our lives because they're meant to. And so I take those kind of things seriously. So when I see you more than once. And then this is the other cool thing. You told me about someone else that was a dancer choreographer. And right after you told me of that, after three what are four hundred people in the room, three hundred and fifty people, I met her. Just Yeah. So I okay. Gary, I had to look you up. And then I looked you up and went, oh, no wonder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have yourself listed as a church historian exploring the best of Christian theology, spirituality, and community. And I was completely hooked by the whole thing, what you said. I'm, Great. <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> Where do you go with that? I just want to know everything about what that means. Uh-oh. Well,
1: I, uh, you know, by background, I'm an academic. I did my PhD in church history, uh, history, which is history of Christianity, um, and the history of Christian doctrine at Princeton Theological Seminary, and then I worked for 17 years as a, a professor of church history at a small theological seminary in Iowa. Um, well, while I was doing that, you know, my training had me doing sort of the kind of scholarship that you do with lots of footnotes and details and you know, you write as boringly as possible. But I I realized that my passion was writing and writing things that would be would help people. What I really loved about my academic vocation was the classroom and being with people and being with them in their struggles and helping them learn things about their heritage and the faith and the spiritual practices that could shape their lives. So, um, as I moved away from academia, when my wife got a pretty amazing faculty position at the University of Pittsburgh, um, I've been shifting into doing basically the best, uh, the most fun stuff from my academic life uh, without some of the drawbacks of the academic life. Of course, it comes without the paycheck of an academic life, so it's not all good. But, um, the, uh, <laughs> but I have... The, <laughs> but I have the freedom, right? I can write what I, I want. I know So, um, uh, what I, in kind of getting back to yeah. your original question, I mean, I, uh, my, my most successful book is a book on um, Christian practices of prayer. It's called Kneeling with Giants, Learning to Pray with History's Best Teachers. And in that, I look at 10 different approaches to uh, Christian prayer, private prayer, not public prayer that you would not, if you're leading worship, this is really about Christians who have their own devotional life, their own relationship with God and they're practicing prayer. Well, um, for me as a historian, I came across all these resources in the process of, reading old books from past ages and learning the heritage of the church and learning who had really been shakers and movers and shaped the spiritual life of their uh, various traditions. So when I I put this book together and uh, what I was trying to do is to say, you know, Christians need to connect with their God. They need to grow in their spiritual life. Um, But not everybody knows what resources are out there. You know, you grow up in one particular kind of community and you probably only know the way to prayer that your mom or your pastor or somebody taught you. Um, whereas people from, you know, if you're Protestant, maybe the Catholics or the Orthodox down the street have totally different ways of praying from you and they might be just the thing for you. So the, what I try to do is essentially mine the riches of the breadth of the Christian tradition to give back to people things that really already belong to them. Right. Cause if, if one is a Christian, really one ought to say that the whole span of Christians stuff is really yours for the, for exploring. Um, and I want people to know that, um, they don't have to feel that they're spiritual they're, they are not spiritually alive people because the particular way that they learned to pray you know doesn't fit or help them grow or feels dead and lifeless. I want them to know that you know there is an infinite kind of creativity in the ways people have approached the spiritual life and though and and some of those ways have really really deep roots and that's imp- that's important to me and I think it's important to a lot of people um to be not feeling like I'm cast on my own imagination, although it's great to have your own creativity and imagination, but to think that what I'm doing to explore my spiritual life um, is something that has really deep roots. And I have kind of a sense of sisters and brothers by the thousands who have practiced this particular way of praying. Um, And it gives me a sense of good company and that what I'm doing is wise and good and
0: helpful. Oh, my goodness. There's so much good things there that you said, and I love that. Praying with your, you you mentioned in your uh, on your website about community, and that's what you're yeah. talking about. Is that? But I love that you're talking about not just the current community, but the deep community, that one that's always been yeah. here. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
0: what made you what made you want to be that? <laughs> <I> mean, <that's, laughs> where did that come from?
1: <laughs> well, I uh, you know as far as the the he, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. When I started formally pursuing an academic vocation, um, that stuff was not at the forefront. You know, I was, you know, I was in seminary and then I was in grad school and I was really drawn to sort of doctrinal theology and history of biblical interpretation. Some of the, some of the sort of stuff that historians and theologians do, um, that floats their boats and doesn't necessarily float the boat of the ordinary person in the pew or anywhere else. Um, But as I look back then, um, when I was thinking about a new book project and looking back and thinking, what could I do that would be really good and useful and life-giving, I started thinking, you know, the fact that I know about all of this prayer stuff, it's not where I did my dissertation at all. It's not where I've done my publication previously. But this is stuff that I know really well, and I and I'd learned because I'd done a lot of teaching, and both at the seminary and in churches. I knew that most of this stuff was really unfamiliar. It was like brand new news to the vast majority of people that I had talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought. Um, we, and I, so it's a good question you say where did it come from it came from being a really quirky bookish person you know i um <laughs> I, I was a i was a high schooler when my faith started to become important to me and um a a youth group leader put in my hands a book called the practice of the presence of god which is a really weird book to give to a protestant teenager because it's written by a 17th century catholic monk in france oh um, cool um but it was just the right book for me. And this he was this he's, he's, it's by this guy named Brother Lawrence, who kind of he had been a monk, he was a Carmelite monk. He he didn't care much for the regular worship life of the monastery and the devotional practices. That wasn't important to him. What was important to this guy was that he made this radical commitment inside himself that he wanted to be consciously present. Conscious of the presence of God 24 7. You know, he wanted to spend the rest of his Mm -hmm. life nurturing the awareness that he was with God and God was with him. Um, And this led to him having this really rich inner life of ongoing conversation with God. And he would be, sometimes it was serious, sometimes it was whimsical. I mean, he'd fall into things that he thought of as problematic. He, You know, he would fell into distraction or he fell into some kind of sin and he'd say, well, God, you know, how do you expect me to do better if you don't help me? Right. He just sort of throw it back in right. God's face and joke around <laughs> um, because he had a real friendship with God. Right. So for me as a high schooler, that was just water on dry, dry soil. And and then but I and I was aware that this was a really old book and it was really a lot richer than what I could find at the local Christian bookstore in Popular current writings on prayer, which I found really even then, I found really kind of superficial, and I kept poking around as my as I grew. I kept reading old books by you know by, by people who had been around for centuries. A book on Orthodox prayer called the um, The Way of a Pilgrim, and books by by monks and nuns and various folks from across the centuries, and that's just what I found useful in my own spiritual development. So um, I sort of accrued. Quite a body of learning without trying, because what I was trying to do was just be alive spiritually, right? I was trying to grow, um, and that those were the resources that I found. But I found those resources because I'm a quirky historian type, <laughs> you know. Not everybody <laughs> finds the same stuff.
0: No, but it, quirky historian. I think that's <laughs> I, th- I think that's a great title for you because. And um, quirky just brings to mind so many different things. It's creative, as you said. It, you can use your imagina- imagination. But historian, you're bringing all these treasures to people. And that's what, when I went on your website, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's so many cool things. And you talk about this is for modern-day disciples. So are you saying that all of us who have that intense desire to, as you said, know God, be with God, understand God, all that, have that, in whatever form each of us says that, are you calling that, are you calling us the disciples?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's pretty common among, uh, among Christians to think uh, in that Term of disciples because that's the term the Bible uses mm-hmm. for Jesus' followers. They were his disciples, right? They uh, came to learn from him and to follow him. So it's pretty commonly uh, a common term. Um, and I, but I think these resources are great no matter where you are on on the journey of exploration um, because you know it's it, these are they've sort of stood the test of time. And if no matter who you are, no matter where you are, trying to connect with a power that's greater than yes. you with the god who gave you life in the first place um you know i think it's it's pretty great to say be to be able to say i'm going to try out approaching it this way that well several million people over 15 or 20 centuries have found useful you know it's kind of it kind of gives a sense of joy joy and company in the journey
0: yes and i one of the things that i really believe is that there's so many you know that it's all about um, seeing things from different standpoints. And the more we see that we could be looking at something but stand around it and whatever viewpoint you're standing around it, you're going to see something new and different and exciting and rich about it. And, and that's what it sounds like you're saying is that if you see it from all these different viewpoints, you will get more of the riches, as right. you say.
1: Right. And, the, you know, the, 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 the the help with that is it it saves us from some of the narrowness that is so common in in our culture you know we we hang with the people who we agree with politically we hang with the people we agree with religiously you know um and we have and and though and though we often and will say you know we value the diversity and the diversity gives us riches we need to actually do something to encounter that diversity now Um, There are different kinds of diversity to encounter, and you'll learn different things from different dimensions. I mean, there's there's certainly a vast amount of important stuff to be learned by just meeting people that look different from you and pray different from you in, in the current life. But there's also... I, I, the thing I like is because I'm this quirky historian. Um, I like I like to hang out with people who are different from me, and, uh, uh, because they lived centuries ago on different continents and experienced wow. things within the context of completely different cultures. It's just another kind of exploring, um, and broadening.
0: And that, and doing that, being the historian, then you could say um, that a passage in the Bible, how you you see it from how they saw it at the time they wrote it which is a different mm-hmm. time and culture than we are today. Right. I, uh, well, see, I was just going to ask you about your class because I'm thinking that maybe one of those things that you do in the class, which I can't say that word. What is it? Lectio, Lectio Divina? Yes. Oh, we yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm, on, I'm currently – I teach some online classes um, through – since you've – I'll mention this to the listener because you've explored my website and your listener I probably did. hasn't yet. <laughs> Yeah, I I I I am doing uh, I do a certain number of online classes, um, and I'm hoping to do a lot more of them in the future. Actually, as I learn the ropes of it, and the one I've been doing right now, um, because as we record this, we're in the season, the Christian season of Advent, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. um, uh, I I decided to do um, a, a, a class on. One of the Christian practices that I, that I did not deal with in Kneeling with Giants, it's called Lectio Divina, it's Latin for divine reading. It's a sort of a, a, a process of prayerfully, meditatively encountering the Christian scriptures um, that is very different from the sort of rational, cognitive, pure study mm-hmm. as the full game, which one encounters in much of my Protestant world. Um so um but this but the, the kind of the class came about in a the that my, my interest in the practice came about um because there well there's a lot of there are, are a lot of christian um, organizations and communities and churches that i'd been encountering that were saying or doing a practice that they called lectio divina and i thought my historian's and antennae kept going up thinking, people are telling me this is Lectio Divina and that this is an ancient practice that was done by the monks in the Middle Ages. And I can't picture monks and nuns in the Middle Ages doing <laughs> doing this. So I started doing some research and reading. I ended up sort of doing a study, doing some study on my own of a, uh, a, a medieval, a 12th century book by a, a guy named Guigo II who wrote The Ladder of Monks. And it's kind of the go-to text on what, Describing as a manual for monks and nuns what Lectio Divina is. And then I wrote a tiny little book, um, a little commentary on classic Lectio Divina by way of saying to anybody who cared to listen, um, you know, the, the real practice looks a lot different from the one that a lot of at least Protestants are teaching. And it actually has a lot of advantages. So why not go back to the real deal? So then. Advent came around. And I thought, well, why don't I do a class using the classic practice and my and my book, and kind of trying to help people make Advent uh, not just a season of uh, you know buying presents frantically at the last <laughs> minute. Why not make it a time of sort of spiritual preparation for the greatest yeah. uh, the greatest event in the history of salvation? So, um, yeah, the coming of Jesus is kind of a big deal, and it might be worth preparing. <laughs>
0: To say the least, I, I'm sorry that I actually saw it after it had already started because I thought I'm, I always find this season, I just want to tell the world to stop. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. Please stop it. Yeah. Don't sell me anything more. Yeah. Um, so i if you're doing it again next year, I think you might find me in your class. great because it sounds fantastic
1: oh good yeah, I do plan. I did it this is actually my second go round with it, and I'm trying to kind of keep it in in the docket as an advent class. I also have a my the first class that I got rolling is a a Lenten class, and I do that based on some of the approaches to prayer and kneeling with giants so i've got my I'm using those two to as kind of trying to build up my repertoire and, and, and learn the ropes of teaching on, I mean, I'd I'd done lots of online teaching in an academic setting, Mm -hmm. but it's a somewhat different thing, teaching uh, a class that's sort of for For personal growth um, or I I kind of package it so that it can be reused by people as an adult ed class in a church if they want to or a small group. Um, But anyway, I'm I'm kind of learning the ropes. That's part of my part of my an adjunct, you might say, to my writer, my writerly work.
0: Your writerly work. I understand that. I teach classes and coach along with my writerly work. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they go together. So since we've been talking about your website so much, I know people know they can see it on the show notes, but where is your website? Where do you want to go?
1: Well, if they can just remember my name, they can find my website. It's garyneilhanson.com. And then Neil is N-E-A-L, and the Hansen is H-A-N-S-E-N, garynealhansen.com And if, if, if our conversation about le- classic Lectio Divina has been intriguing to anybody, um, I, I wrote this book as a kind of a, a, a gift to subscribers. So if people subscribe to my hmm. newsletter, the they Bounce Back brings them um, uh, basically all versions, Kindle, uh, EPUB, and PDF of my little book, Love Your Bible, Uh, uh, finding your way to the presence of God with a 12th century monk.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, after we hang up, you'll see me subscribe so I could get that. Okay. Um, But you're also (laughs) writing other books, right? Before we, you know, before we close up, I don't want to leave out that you're doing something else with writing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got. I'm, I have my various nonfiction pro, uh, projects, but what's actually flo- uh, getting me excited right now is is writing fiction. Um, and so I'm w- writing, um, and that will when when that is worthy of seeing the light of day, it will probably appear under a pen name. But uh, yeah, I'm writing a science fiction detective Ooh. story right now.
0: <laughs> so now you've now you've touched the other button that I really love. So. <laughs> We'll have to talk about that. But um, all these things that the shift the story podcast is really about how people shift their lives or shift other people's lives. But it always starts from your own, of course, as you obviously mm-hmm. know really well. So I have one last question. I always ask all the people on the podcast so they can get your ultimate wisdom. So here's mm. here's the question. What is the one piece of advice that you would give anyone else in the midst of changing a life story?
1: What a great Ooh, question. Thanks. What what is the one piece of life in the midst of make it? how do how do you phrase a, it again? Change, in the midst yeah, of making a life story? That change?
0: way, changing life story, shifting a life story, exactly what you're thinking.
1: I think my advice would be to get a good journal and a pen, because as you as you make sense of the of the story that you've been and the, the story you're starting, uh, it's going to make a a lot more sense and go a lot deeper if you're just writing down whatever you're experiencing outwardly and inwardly. Oh,
0: that's so wonderful, and I have to say that we just my husband Dylan and I just had a conversation this morning about journaling, so there you go right mm. at, again oh. once again we're on the same page
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> a great Gary, thing. thank
0: you so much for spending the time with me i i'm just delighted to have met you and then have a chance to spend more time talking where we can share each other's learnings with other people
1: great i'm honored to be on your podcast thank you so much becca
0: thank you That's it for this week's episode. Find all things Gary in the show notes at theshift.com. And this is episode 110. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast. If you have a minute, please help me out and rate and review the podcast. It inspires me and my guests to do more and be better. And if you never want to miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. And find me and my books at BeccaLewis.com and let me know what you're up to. And why not try Gary's advice and start journaling? See what stories it helps you shift. See you next time when we'll do more Shifting the Story together.